Life is complex. Join us for the simple gifts of wisdom, love, and delight in the written word. The Dialogue Known as the Crito by Plato, Part 2 But now, since the argument has thus far prevailed, the only question which remains to be considered is, whether we shall do rightly, either in escaping or in suffering others to aid in our escape and paying them in money and thanks, or whether we shall not do rightly. And if the latter, then death or any other calamity which may ensue on my remaining here must not be allowed to enter into the calculation. I think that you are right, Socrates. How then shall we proceed? Let us consider the matter together, and do you either refute me if you can, and I will be convinced, or else cease, my dear friend, from repeating to me that I ought to escape against the wishes of the Athenians. For I am extremely desirous to be persuaded by you, but not against my own better judgment. And now please to consider my first position, and do your best to answer me. I will do my best. Are we to say that we are never intentionally to do wrong, or that in one way we ought, and in another way we ought not to do wrong? Or is doing wrong always evil and dishonorable, as I was just now saying, and has been already acknowledged by us? Are all our former admissions, which were made within a few days, to be thrown away? And have we, at our age, been earnestly discoursing with one another all our life long, only to discover that we are no better than children? Or are we to rest assured, in spite of the opinion of the many, and in spite of consequences, whether better or worse, of the truth of what was then said, that injustice is always an evil and dishonor to him who acts unjustly. Shall we affirm that? Yes. Then we must do no wrong? Certainly not. Nor, when injured, injure in return, as the many imagine. For we must injure no one at all? Clearly not. Again, Crito, may we do evil? Surely not, Socrates. And what of doing evil in return for evil, which is the morality of the many? Is that just or not? Not just. For doing evil to another is the same as injuring him? Very true. Then we ought not to retaliate or render evil for evil to anyone, whatever evil we may have suffered from him. But I would have you consider, Crito whether you really mean what you are saying. For this opinion has never been held, and never will be held, by any considerable number of persons. And those who are agreed, and those who are not agreed upon this point, have no common ground, and can only despise one another when they see how widely they differ. Tell me, then, whether you agree with an assent to my first principle, that neither injury nor retaliation nor warding off evil by evil, is ever right. And shall that be the premise of our agreement? Or do you decline and dissent from this? For this has been of old, and is still my opinion. But if you are of another opinion, let me hear what you have to say. 
If, however, you remain of the same mind as formerly, I will proceed to the next step. You may proceed, Socrates, for I have not changed my mind. Then I will proceed to the next step, which may be put in the form of a question. Ought a man to do what he admits to be right? Or ought he to betray the right? He ought to do what he thinks right. But if this is true, what is the application? In leaving the prison against the will of the Athenians, do I wrong any? Or rather, do I not wrong those whom I ought least to wrong? Do I not desert the principles which were acknowledged by us to be just? What do you say? I cannot tell, Socrates, for I do not know. Then consider the matter in this way. Imagine that I am about to play truant. You may call the proceeding by any name which you like. And the laws and the government came and interrogate me. Tell us, Socrates, they say, what are you about? Are you going by an act of yours to overturn us, the laws and the whole state, as far as in you lies? Do you imagine that a state can subsist and not be overthrown, in which the decisions of law have no power, but are set aside and overthrown by individuals? What will be our answer, Crito, to these and the like words? Anyone, and especially a clever rhetorician, will have a good deal to urge about the evil of setting aside the law which requires a sentence to be carried out. And we might reply, Yes, but the state has injured us, and given an unjust sentence. Suppose I say that. Very good, Socrates. And was that our agreement with you, the law would say? Or were you to abide by the sentence of the state? And if I were to express astonishment at their saying this, the law would probably add, Answer, Socrates, instead of opening your eyes, you are in the habit of asking and answering questions. Tell us what complaint you have to make against us, which justifies you in attempting to destroy us and the state. In the first place, did we not bring you into existence? Your father married your mother by our aid and begat you. Say whether you have any objection to urge against those of us who regulate marriage. None, I should reply or against those of us who regulate the system of nurture and education of children in which you were trained? Were not the laws, who have the charge of this, right in commanding your father to train you in music and gymnastic? Right, I should reply. Well then, since you were brought into the world and nurtured and educated by us, can you deny in the first place that you are our child and slave, as your fathers were before you? And if this is true, you are not on equal terms with us, nor can you think that you have a right to do to us what we are doing to you. Would you have any right to strike or revile or do any other evil to a father or to your master if you had one, when you have been struck or reviled by him, or received some other evil at his hands? You would not say this? And because we think right to destroy you, do you think that you have any right to destroy us in return? and your country, as far as in you lies. And will you, O professor of true virtue, say that you are justified in this, 
Has a philosopher like you failed to discover that our country is more to be valued and higher and holier far than mother or father or any ancestor, and more to be regarded in the eyes of the gods and of men of understanding? Also to be soothed and gently and reverently entreated when angry, even more than a father, and if not persuaded, obeyed? And when we are punished by her, whether with imprisonment or stripes, the punishment is to be endured in silence. And if she leads us to wounds or death in battle, thither we follow as is right. Neither may anyone yield or retreat or leave his rank, but whether in battle or in a court of law or in any other place, he must do what his city and his country order him, or he must change their view of what is just. And if he may do no violence to his father or mother, much less may he do violence to his country. What answer shall we make to this, Crito? Do the laws speak truly, or do they not? I think that they do. Then the laws will say, Consider, Socrates, if this is true, that in your present attempt you are going to do us wrong. For after having brought you into the world, and nurtured and educated you, and given you and every other citizen a share in every good that we had to give, we further proclaim and give the right to every Athenian that if he does not like us, when he has come of age, and has seen the ways of the city, and made our acquaintance, he may go where he pleases, and take his goods with him, and none of us laws will forbid him or interfere with him. Any of you who does not like us and the city, and who wants to go to a colony, or to any other city, may go where he likes, and take his goods with him. But he who has experience of the manner in which we order justice and administer the state, and still remains, has entered into an implied contract that he will do as we command him. And he who disobeys us is, as we maintain, thrice wrong. First, because in disobeying us, he is disobeying his parents. Secondly, because we are the authors of his education. Thirdly, because he has made an agreement with us that he will duly obey our commands. And he neither obeys them nor convinces us that our commands are wrong, and we do not rudely impose them, but give him the alternative of obeying or convincing us. That is what we offer, and he does neither. These are the sort of accusations to which, as we were saying, you, Socrates, will be exposed if you accomplish your intentions. You, above all other Athenians. Suppose I ask, why is this? They will justly retort upon me that I, above all other men, have acknowledged the agreement. There is clear proof, they will say, Socrates, that we and the city were not displeasing to you. Of all Athenians, you have been the most constant resident in the city, which, as you never leave, you may be supposed to love. For you never went out of the city either to see the games, except once, when you went to the Isthmus or to any other place unless when you were on military service. Nor did you travel, as other men do, nor had you any curiosity to know other states or their laws. 
your affections did not go beyond us and our state. We were your especial favorites, and you acquiesced in our government of you. And this is the state in which you begat your children, which is a proof of your satisfaction. Moreover, you might, if you had liked, have fixed a penalty at banishment in the course of the trial. The state which refuses to let you go now would have let you go then, but you pretended that you preferred death to exile, and that you were not grieved at death, and now you have forgotten these fine sentiments, and pay no respect to us, the laws, of whom you are the destroyer, and are doing what only a miserable slave would do running away and turning your back upon the compacts and agreements which you made as a citizen. And first of all, answer this very question. Are we right in saying that you agreed to be governed according to us in deed, and not in word only? Is that true or not? How shall we answer that, Crito? Must we not agree? There is no help, Socrates. Then will they not say, You, Socrates, are breaking the covenants and agreements which you made with us at your leisure, not in any haste or under any compulsion or deception, but having had seventy years to think of them, during which time you were at liberty to leave the city, if we were not to your mind, or if our covenants appeared to you to be unfair. You had your choice and might have gone either to Lacedaemon or Crete, which you often praise for their good government, or to some other Hellenic or foreign state. Whereas you, above all other Athenians, seem to be so fond of the state, or, in other words, of us her laws, for who would like a state that has no laws, that you never stirred out of her? The halt, the blind, the maimed, were not more stationary in her than you were, and now you run away and forsake your agreements. Not so, Socrates. If you will take our advice, do not make yourself ridiculous by escaping out of the city. For just consider, if you transgress and err in this sort of way, what good will you do, either to yourself or to your friends? that your friends will be driven into exile and deprived of citizenship, or will lose their property, is tolerably certain. And you yourself, if you fly to one of the neighboring cities, as, for example, Thebes or Megara, both of which are well-governed cities, will come to them as an enemy, Socrates, and their government will be against you, and all patriotic citizens will cast an evil eye upon you as a subverter of the laws, and you will confirm in the minds of the judges the justice of their own condemnation of you. For he who is a corrupter of the laws is more than likely to be corrupter of the young and foolish portion of mankind. Will you then flee from well-ordered cities and virtuous men? And is existence worth having on these terms? Or will you go to them without shame, and talk to them, Socrates? And what will you say to them? What you say here about virtue and justice and institutions and laws being the best things among men? Would that be decent of you? Surely not. But if you go away from well-governed states to Crito's friends in Thessaly, 
where there is a great disorder and license, they will be charmed to have the tale of your escape from prison, set off with ludicrous particulars of the manner in which you were wrapped in a goatskin or some other disguise, and metamorphosed as the fashion of runaways is. That is very likely. But will there be no one to remind you that in your old age you violated the most sacred laws from a miserable desire of a little more life? Perhaps not, if you keep them in a good temper. But if they are out of temper, you will hear many degrading things. You will live. But how? As the flatterer of all men? And the servant of all men? And doing what? Eating and drinking in Thessaly having gone abroad in order that you may get a dinner. And where will be your fine sentiments about justice and virtue then? Say that you wish to live for the sake of your children, that you may bring them up and educate them. Will you take them into Thessaly and deprive them of Athenian citizenship? Is that the benefit which you would confer upon them? Or are you under the impression that they will be better cared for and educated here if you are still alive, although absent from them, for that your friends will take care of them? Do you fancy that if you are an inhabitant of Thessaly they will take care of them, and if you are an inhabitant of the other world they will not take care of them? Nay, but if they who call themselves friends are truly friends, they surely will. Listen, then, Socrates, to us who have brought you up. Think not of life and children first, and of justice afterwards, but of justice first, that you may be justified before the princes of the world below. For neither will you, nor any that belong to you, be happier, or holier, or juster in this life, or happier in another, if you do as Crito bids. Now, you depart in innocence, a sufferer, and not a doer of evil, a victim, not of the laws, but of men. But if you go forth, returning evil for evil, and injury for injury, breaking the covenants and agreements which you have made with us, and wronging those whom you ought least to wrong, that is to say, yourself, your friends, your country, and us, we shall be angry with you while you live, and our brethren, the laws in the world below, will receive you as an enemy, for they will know that you have done your best to destroy us. Listen, then, to us, and not to Crito. This is the voice which I seem to hear murmuring in my ears, Crito like the sound of the flute in the ears of the mystic. That voice, I say, is humming in my ears, and prevents me from hearing any other, and I know that anything more which you say will be in vain. Yet speak if you have anything to say. I have nothing to say, Socrates. Then let me follow the intimations of the will of God. Tis the gift to be simple, tis the gift to be free, tis the gift to come down where we ought to be, and when we find ourselves in the place just right, twill be in the valley of love and delight. When true simplicity is gained, to bow and to bend, we will not be ashamed, 
To turn, turn, will be our delight, till by turning, turning, we come round right.